0: Carrie leads a, a, a hoot-nanny, a sing-along. You should, you should. She, she'll let you sing. Everybody sing. I can hold your instrument. You may not want to hear me sing. I don't know. Tell uh, Mark your rule about group singing, Carrie.
1: Oh, the only rule we have in Midwestern folk sing-alongs is volume over accuracy. That's the only one we have. <laughs> <laughs> to the words and how they us and how we live between the
0: words. Welcome to the Growing Edge. I'm Parker Palmer
1: and I'm Carrie Newcomer. Uh, first of all, we'd just like to say a heartfelt welcome to Mark Nepo, a poet and author and educator. Um You've known Mark for a long time. I've been a great fan of his work, but could you talk a little bit, maybe tell a little story, and and then we'll we'll, we'll bring Mark into the conversation.
0: His writing has influenced millions and millions of people. I know you're a great fan of his Book of Awakening, which may be his best-known book, and the one that's touched really countless lives, including mine. So, I'll let you say a word about that in a minute, but let me mention that uh, his most recent book, which is called More Together Than Alone, More Together Mm. Than Alone.
1: Great book. um, uh,
0: Subtitled Discovering the Power and Spirit of Community in Our Lives and in the World, is a book that explores a longtime interest of mine, uh, uh, concern of mine about the absence of community in our world but mark very hopefully points to a variety of ways in which we can recover that precious commodity Uh, and and in some ways already have we just have to open our eyes and see how community exists among us so i i value that book very deeply what about you and the book of awakening i know it's one you read almost daily
1: i i do I, i i do a I guess my own version of uh, lectio divina, you know, to meditate in the morning and then read some spiritual literature. Often I write, then um, and often the book of awakening awakening is on that list of books that I, I open up in the morning and and I see what wisdom is there for me. Sometimes I, my husband and I, will read it in the morning. We'll just read whatever the entry is that that day, and um, at the end of every entry, there's a, often a a really wonderful suggestion for meditation or experience, and so so yeah, it's been it's been a great companion. So, Mark, welcome! It's so wonderful to have you here with us.
2: No, oh, well, thank you both so much. It's a joy to be here with you and to
0: explore the growing edge and anything you want to explore. I'm in. <laughs> well, we, we we have a lot we want to explore to you, but of course, first I you know I have to unburden myself, get, it, get kind of get it off my off my chest here, you're, you're a lot younger than I am, but you've written twice as many books <laughs> as I have. And, and that, that just annoys the daylights out of me. <laughs> so having said that, well, welcome again to The Growing Edge. And how much I'm anticipating yet another book from you this fall <laughs> called, called, called Drinking from the River of Light the life of expression it's a beautiful book i've read it i've endorsed it it's a beautiful beautiful book despite my profound jealousy <laughs> and, and, and envy but i want to i just want to ask you mark um, we could read your bio uh, you know your official resume but that's always boring stuff for people um, i'd love to hear from your own lips how you understand your vocation over Mm -hmm. the past what has it been 40 years really of teaching and writing and traveling and speaking and leading workshops and retreats how what's your take on your own calling your own path your own sort of reason for being in this world
2: yeah so you know thanks and and let me let me start with we were joking about the books you know but but really i mean to me writing has become listening and taking notes and it's the way the the words are really the trail of the inquiry and and so it's how i learn and and a lot of what the new book is about is that that uh, that just that process isn't just about writing it happens to manifest through me in writing but it applies to any kind of introspection that brings us to inhabit our lives in the world whether it's gardening or stamp collecting or doing service and giving free meals, the process, the deep, deep process is the same. And um, it, so that's why I share so much of the, of the process. But you know, I, I think I've really um, learned that my work, well, let, let me say this, I, I believe that our, our vocation, our career um, is our soul's awakening. And where that takes place, is our occupation. And so that can change where it takes place because we're dynamic and we are constantly changing and the things around us. Um, but you know, what, what brings me most alive. So I'm always looking and you know, you both know that from my work and, and our sharing that, you know, I'm a long-term cancer survivor. over 31 going on 32 years. And, um, and, you know, through no wisdom of mine, almost dying and still being here turned everything inside, out, and upside down, um, which brought me to the rawness and pulse of being here. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, I believe that my work um, as a spirit, as a soul, is just to be as alive and as authentic as possible and to welcome... Uh, the fact that we are more together than alone, to welcome everything that's not me through the authenticity of me. Mm. And, and as mm. a teacher, um, I feel like my the holy privilege is to um, to create a heart space in which I can help people, introduce people to their own gifts and their own wisdom. And so the rhythm of that, you know, it's interesting. I, I, there's in the, in the Hindu tradition, the term upa guru means the teacher that is next to you at this moment, mm. and, and they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Mm-hmm. So you know, it doesn't matter if we miss them; we'll bump right into another one. And mm-hmm. and in this respect, and this this is not only about this. The, the inwardness and, and the manifestation, but also about solitude and community. Whales and dolphins are great teachers because, you know, we take it for granted, but these mammoth, magnificent creatures, they are air-breathing creatures that live in the deep. Mm-hmm. And they have to be in the deep to renew their very being and bodies But they can't stay in there, even though they can stay down there incredible amounts of time compared to us, they have to break surface and be in the world. Mm -hmm. They have to breach, and often their magnificence is in their breach, in their movement in the world, but they can't stay there either. They have to go back into the—and this rhythm between depth and surface, between solitude and community, between inwardness and the world— Every spirit in a body on earth has to find their own timing of that. What's the healthiest balance of that? As much as I can get intoxicated, you know, when I was younger, like any kind of romantic, mystical, young poet who hadn't written anything yet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I wanted, I didn't want to really, I wasn't really interested in being here. You know, I wanted to transcend up or... Stay in the deep, and of course, I couldn't, mm-hmm. because yeah. we, you know, we. Tra- after all of it, all the only place to transcend is here. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. one one of my the privileges uh, at this point in my life, I do get to travel s- ev- so many places, and and when I get there, I travel vast distances to affirm for everyone that there's nowhere to go. <laughs> <laughs> And, and it is a privilege. I'm happy to do it. And, and, of course, we surfacely travel. But anytime we're authentic, we uncover the same moment. It's always the same moment. There's nowhere to go. And I think one of the things that is uh, so insidious, and in, uh, I think it's always been a, a tr- to trip us up, but more so in the modern world because we have more ways to, to do this, and, and that's the uh, the menacing assumption that life is other than where we are. It's mm-hmm. always over there. Mm-hmm. Right, or it's right. in that relationship or in that goal or in that thing that I could work toward or envy or want. But it's never where I am. And, and then we, we miss the, the heroic challenge of every life to simply mm-hmm. be who we are everywhere.
0: Yeah. You know, K- Carrie, it strikes me that Mark is talking your language here. I've, I've heard him say a lot of things that I that I know you resonate and I mm-hmm. uh, resonate with, and I, I'd really be interested to know to know what your thoughts are at this point about that amazing journey that Mark just took us on.
1: Well, um, you know, I was thinking. I mean, w- w- it was really beautifully said. This idea that you know we're always thinking about you know getting somewhere or that our life's going to happen somewhere else um but that that our our life actually happens now this is this is it this is where it happens and and i loved your um analogy or your your image of the dolphins that that these beautiful creatures they they need to go deep and to go deep you know they become their true selves but they also need to come and this that glorious moment of reaching and being part of the world in another way and then they go down again it's a bit like parker's image of the mobius strip in a way yes yes that 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 uh we go deep and we come up you know that that spiritual life you know uh, you know as a as a poet myself you know and a, and a songwriter yeah, I, I, I have no trouble going deep, going down there, and, st- and I could stay there for a long time. But part of what we do as artists is, is touch something there, learn something there, experience something there, and then come back and, and uh, interact with other people with that, with our art, with um, just how we're interacting in relationship. Um, I really love that image of the dolphin, though. I'd never thought of it that way, and I really appreciate that.
0: Beautiful. 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 Well, thank you.
2: You know, I think one of the, uh, one of the edges for, for me, and I, and I think it's in our world, is what I'm calling or trying to understand as mature compassion. And, and that is, uh, and I know it in my own life and relationships. Um, so, you know, I know like I have, like many people, have, I've tended to experience a good part of my life. Either I open my heart completely to others, and their joys and their difficulties. And if they're difficulties, sometimes I wind up drowning in their difficulties or losing myself. Mm -hmm. And then the other pole of that has been, oh, well, if I knew it was going to be like that, then uh, forget it. I'm going to have boundaries, but I'm going to be over here by myself. So I'm either hermetic or I'm entangled. And I think that I've been learning more and more, or at least learning, trying to practice it more consciously of how do I have porous boundaries? How do I stay who I am and keep my heart open? How do I, uh, and, and this translates into the community thing I talk about in the community book, you know, that it's important that we stand for things, but I've learned in my life the the strength of of standing for things is only as good as when I know what I'm standing on. Mm. And so I need yeah. to have a clear foundation and a and a connection to the to the authority of my own being, which is not sourced in me, but when I'm there is sourced in all being. And when I can do that, I I am more clear about what I'm standing for. And I'm less reactive. And I'm more... So anyway, I, this whole idea of, of how do I stay in relationship and also continue to be clear about, you know, I have a friend who is struggling with, um, with not being able to walk. And that, that's terrible and it's real. And my heart is there and I'm there. And yet part of my practice is I... I can walk. And I have to, you know, after my heart goes out there, after I visit, after I help, then I have to walk in the light and say, this is my direct experience and not make it either or, but yeah. affirm my foundation, what I'm standing on, literally,
0: and keep my heart open. So it's, it's as if um, you can't collapse into, the, into your friend's life, that would be entanglement, and at the same time you don't want to walk away from your friend, as it were, um, Absolutely. To, to, to stay somewhere holding, holding that tension. I, let me explore one piece of, the, of what I think of as boundary maintenance, and I like the idea of porous boundaries. Uh, very much. Uh, I I think boundaries is is an issue that a lot of people wrestle with. But I know from many conversations with you over the years, uh, uh, that for both of us, um, it's been a hard learning sometimes that the boundary we have to establish is that comes in the speaking of our own truth, no matter how that lands on the other person. And, And that's a point at which... Your point is very well taken. You have to know what ground you're standing on. And you have to be reasonably certain, as certain as a human being can be, that it's truthful ground. But when you're there, when you know, this is who I am, this is what I stand for and what I stand on, you have to speak your truth. Some people don't want to hear the truth, (laughs) and that will be the end of that relationship. Um, But I don't regard that as walking away from another person. Uh, I regard that as their problem, not mine. I and
2: agree completely you know I agree completely and so you know to to clarify the distinction that you're bringing up for me is when I'm talking about walking away with when I'm walking away because I'm either entangled in someone else's difficulty or yeah. their struggle their pain or their grief is overwhelming and I have to be honest that I'm not wanting to face it so I need to re... Re, um, refresh my connection with my own foundation, so I can be strong enough and honest enough to face their pain for what it brings up in me. Right, which is different than what what you're just suggesting, and and I think that that's so true. About um, yes, uh, you know, I've written a lot in my in my work about my lifelong struggles with my parents, and they're both gone now. Um, About four or five years, and uh, and you know, and I've 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 had you know people uh, readers um, ask me and you know challenge me. How could I write these things about my parents? And you know, I've always said if I experienced you know uh, different things, I'd have different things to report. Um, yet the the truth is, um, yeah, uh, you know, you can't shoot the messenger because of what. Uh, what they're experiencing and I think you're, you're you're you know I really agree with you Parker that um, I think it's so important to and hard to speak the truth of our experience because then you know as as a friend as a partner as a colleague if you speak truth to me then then I have an opportunity to say oh my god I didn't know I hurt you I'm sorry mm-hmm. and and when we can do that and then, and then to say, how do we make sure it doesn't happen again? Right. And then we, we actually will become closer. This is actually the threshold of intimacy. But if, if you bring that to me and I go, oh, you're still worrying about that? <laughs> Whoa, well, then you're right. You know that it's not the relationship you thought it was. Yeah. And, then we don't, and this brings us to the Buddhist uh, very simple but difficult practice of seeing things as they are. Mm
1: -hmm. And also, Mm -hmm. you know, also, you know, the experience of speaking our truth in a way, you know, there's, you know, this finding the grounding and the ground of who you are and what it is that you ground upon. Um, And also, I I think it's also um, a learning experience of how to express that, you know. Um, And and part, you know, you can express it in a way that shuts doors immediately. Mm-hmm. Or you can express it in a way that has a sense of, of respect and kindness and compassion attached, even when it's a hard truth. Um, and, and sometimes I think that takes a little experimentation and experience like, oh, okay. Um, and and I, I think that's something that, that a lot of people are really struggling with right now. I mean, one of the um, real examples that a lot of people are getting their conversational um, i don't know uh, what to call it conversational um, what they see out there about conversation and t- and telling the truth is online, and that's a pretty dysfunctional way right now of how people. Are speaking their truth. It's, there's a lot of flaming and disrespect, and they're, they're getting sort of mo-
0: you're saying they're getting the sort of model of conversation. from That's it. Them. The word I was looking yeah. for the
1: word model, yeah. but um, but you're talking about a whole different model of how we tell our truths. That it's clear and that it's heartfelt, and at the same time, there's a there's a sense of true compassion about it. Um, That changes. That really changes everything.
2: So, you know, a lesson that I've learned from one of one of my students um, who's actually, you know, older than me and a lot wiser in a lot of ways. So it's in a year long uh, group that I hold. And she has uh, she's now, you know, at a point in her life, she had a cousin that she grew up. They played a lot as kids and all their family. They're starting to lose family and they haven't been that close and um for a while now and he's become very rigid in his views very conservative very fundamentalist and uh not really open to other viewpoints and he called her and and she shared this with our circle and said you know now that we're getting on i really miss when we were kids and i'd love to spend more time together and and uh And she said to all of us, she said, I don't know where it came from in me, but I said I would love that if we can only share our experience and not our conclusions.
1: Ah, Mm -hmm. that's beautiful.
2: That's profound. Um, I think it's, you know, because that causes, uh, and and it seems to me as I've reflected on that more, both personally and in our society, you know, assumptions and conclusions – if, if not emptied regularly, become like plaque in the heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They yeah. will, your heart will not be as strong and it will not function as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have to empty uh, the assumptions and conclusions. And, and it also invites us to ask for stories. And stories, I know we all believe stories are medicine stories hold the world together and it doesn't mean that if we disagree about abortion that you know we're going to ever agree but it's there's a different ground that happens if i say i see you feel strongly about this tell me why that is like what what's your story
0: what has made you have such a strong feeling about this issue yeah yes absolutely i've seen it happen time and time again The, the story gets to the person rather than the thought. And, and that's where the humanizing thing happens, isn't it? it uh, you know, I, I remember once in Quaker meeting many years ago, a woman speaking in, in the middle of the silence and saying something like this. She said, we, we keep imagining that if we can keep going higher and higher in abstraction up to the bigger and bigger ideas, we will find the common big ideas that unite us. But she said, in, in fact, we get totally disconnected and disabled up there because there's no air to breathe and, and everything is vacuum. But she said, if we go the other way, if we go down, and this is the image she used, which I thought was so beautiful. She said, if, if each of us is willing to go deep into the well of our own personal experience, we will eventually hit the aquifer that feeds all the wells. And that's where we'll find our commonality. Isn't oh, that that,
2: that's beautiful. And, I, and that so speaks to me, um, you know, because I, I really do believe and have been exploring it um, more and more that, that the only way to experience oneness and that well of all spirit is through the bottom of our own humanity, there is no short, I don't believe we can bypass it's through our humanness and the embracing and facing of it that we, you know, have access I, uh, to to the larger well of being. And, you know, there's a, a moment where that was a great teaching for me was when my father was dying and he was in the hospital and, um, you know, I, I didn't live nearby but would come when I could and I had some time alone with him and, and there I was all of a sudden, like I'm sure many many people can identify with. I there I was, he was ninety-three, and um I was in my early sixties, mid-sixties, and um and there I am feeding my father applesauce. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a beautiful, bitter, sweet, sad, everything kind of moment. And and I just gave myself over to that ground you you just were mentioning Parker. I, there was nothing else except the spoon, my hand and making sure the applesauce didn't, you know, the spoon didn't hit his teeth and it didn't interrupt his breathing. And I started to cry and tear up and he was there and we had this beauty of the whole world my whole life and his was in that moment. And mm-hmm. then to my surprise, we fell into a moment of wonder. There we were in a moment of wonder. And and the more that I gave myself over, I I feel like I was so thoroughly working with what I was given and accepting that moment in its totality that I suddenly tripped into the moment of every child that ever fed a dying parent. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't alone. Mm -hmm. And somehow that, that crossover to me... Is the threshold of resilience? Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, it it's
1: seems a beautiful like story. It's a be- It's a really beautiful story, and I, and and I think there's so many of your stories. You know that I, I remember reading inside the miracle, and you know sometimes the miracle was the healing, and sometimes the miracle was not. You know, yeah, you, you got to some really deep. Um, uh, really human experiences that were particular to you, but at the same time, they were very universal in terms of what a human being goes through in the moments of uncertainty, in the moments of suffering, in the moments of revelation. Um, you know, I, so many of your works have, have really uh, been so powerful for me because of your willingness to be so deeply human and describe such deeply human experiences. It's your father with the applesauce and the spoon, but you know, it's, it's every child that's ever needed to feed a parent. Um, and, and, and I, I so appreciate that because it's vulnerable That's one of the things that I really, you know, as a, as a writer and an artist myself, the more vulnerable I am, the more risky it feels, generally that's where there's most potential of connection
0: and and that's exactly the question i wanted to ask carrie i'm so glad you said that so mark for you and carrie for you um all three of us have been in the business of telling our own stories for a long time hoping that we were telling them in service of other people um Carrie does it in her songs and her poetry. You do it in a whole variety of ways. I do it in my way, and we all know—the three of us know—that to tell your story makes you very vulnerable. Among other things, it makes you vulnerable to criticism. You—you mentioned earlier the the readers who say, "Why are you telling these, saying these terrible things about (laughs) your parents?" You know, "I'm so glad you're not my son," or something like that. (laughs) <laughs> Speaking for myself, I'd be proud to have you for my son. But thank uh, you. To be perfectly clear, I'm not quite old enough for that. <laughs> <laughs> old. <laughs> old as I am, so so how, how do you? What's your experience, Mark? What's your story around making yourself vulnerable and and getting sometimes in a society like ours sliced and diced by cynics. Or, or, or critics. How how do you inhabit that? How do you take it in? How do you make um, good stuff out of it?
2: Well, I I think that, and I know that this is a question that's deep for all three of us. And you know, I, I think for me, I've learned through everything I've been through that, you know, and I talk about it in the book of Awakening as the friction of being visible versus the cost of being invisible. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, either way, there's a cost. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the, some of the spiritual physics. This is just what happens. And for me, the co- the friction of being visible is that just what we're saying. Uh, I, I am less alive if I don't uh, speak my truth, open my heart, and be authentic. Yeah. And when I do that, it doesn't, it, it it brings amazing relationships, but even apart from relationships, the reward for me for being so authentic is that I experience oneness. I don't just grasp it. It's not a concept. When we are, it's like we, when the moments when no one can be 100% all the time, but when I can be who I am completely, in that moment, I'm like a a tuning fork to the sacred my soul becomes a tuning fork to the sacred and i am filled with the restorative resources of life and you know i i and i find when i'm not then there may be less conflict outwardly but it starts to be corrosive i you know i i you know human beings are the only creatures as best we know who can die and keep paying the bills and washing the dishes. Um, you know, other creatures, they die, they're dead. Mm-hmm. But we we can, you know, we can snuff ourselves. And the other beautiful thing is we can, you know, the wonderful thing about love. And I think, you know, not wonderful, but the reward if there is one for meeting our suffering um, and being truthful is that we can come awake in a second. Mm-hmm. We can remember, which, you know, the real root of the word remember is to put the members back together, to make whole again.
0: Yep, dismember is the opposite.
2: Yes, dismember. So to remember is to make things whole again. And... Um, you know, you just triggered something. So maybe this would be a good time to share a poem.
0: Oh, goody, goody! I wanted to ask you to do that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that would be wonderful. Well,
2: so this is this is from the way under the way, and and this actually was a poem. I'm 68 now, and uh, and I wrote this when I for, when I turned 50, which is hard to believe, was 18 years ago, but. But this, I wanted to read this now, given what we're talking about. It's called, Crossing Some Ocean in Myself. Half a century, and finally, what I feel is what I say, and what I say is what I mean. What I mean is that others, so used to my gargantuan efforts to be good, don't understand my efforts to be real. They find me coming up short. I'm simply burning old masks. And the next step takes me, I don't know where. As it should be, I don't know. Just that I love who I love. I listen with my heart. I struggle with the reflexes of my mind. I mean, the pains of life are sharper now, but disappear more clearly the way knives are swallowed by the sea. And the subtleties of being, They come on like waves that cleanse, but which when dry, I can't seem to find. So much like a love animal now, unsure what I was fighting for, except to breathe and sing, except to call out the human names for God that others have uttered when hurt and confused. Yes, like a love animal now, until the end of any day's work is the soft moment when loving and being loved are the same and all year round the birds and trees instruct make visible the wind the way reaching without shame makes visible the
0: love wow wow beautiful you're 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 on this podcast with two quakers and i think if we weren't on airtime, Carrie and I would just both want to sit in silence for about oh, the next thirty minutes, you. right? Absolutely. It's so gorgeous, and and that line about that basically says what I believe. Uh, it's it's more difficult to be real than to be good. It yes. just plain is. Yeah, and I I have found in you know the way the way if I'm
2: real. Like heat gives gives flame gives off heat,
0: then chances are I'll be good.
2: Yeah. But if
0: I when I've tried to be good, I'm not always real. Right. Yeah. It's often being done by someone else's compass or someone else's values or or, or guide. And and this brings this is something that the last time we were together, Parker, um,
2: and you said this and it was so wonderful. Um, you said there is only one reality, and the only way to experience it is to be real.
0: Really? I said that?
2: Yes, you did. <laughs> and, you know, for all the, stu- all the stuff I've written, all the things I've done, I never realized that the word reality had the word real in it. <laughs> well, it also
0: has itty, so... <laughs> <laughs> we should work on that. <laughs>
1: And, and, and I just I just love that poem. Thank you so Thank much. You. I, I and I, it's so good to I've read that poem, and it was so good to hear it in your voice. And mm. I, I just I'm so grateful that you chose that one today. And it, it the whole idea of it's easier to it's easier to be good than to be real. That it's harder to be real. And 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 I think that's something that in some ways is freeing for people to hear. You know, like when people are listening to this podcast, that it's not always easy to be your real and truest self. You know, that there's real challenges with that. There's a vulnerability to it. There's, It feels risky at times. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that push back against us being real. But then at the same time, you know, I'm always surprised. I'm always surprised when, you know, the more true I am, the more free people are to feel true with me or be yeah. true with me. That and that that thing of of tell me a story. You know, I I bet you're like I am. You know, I mean, okay, I I, I tell people I have a bumper sticker on my head that says, <laughs> "I love a good story." <laughs> you know, you know, and and I would imagine that because you're you try very hard and you to embody what, where, you know, where are you grounded? What are you standing upon? How do I be real and true as I can be that it gives people who encounter you the, the freedom to be truer themselves. You know, it's kind of like permission. Oh, yeah. Mark does it.
2: Well, and, and I think, I think that, you know, thank you. I, I, I think that, and this is another kind of great teacher, um, for me too, which is the sun, you know, you know, just as the sun emanates light and warmth in all directions without preference.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And in that it's a fantastic, great teacher. And, um, it's remarkable because all plant life grow to, to that light and warmth. And when we can be real, our hearts are that inner sun. And we don't have to persuade, debate, argue, manipulate, control. We will just grow to each other. You know, as you know, Merton so many wonderful things, but you know, one of the things he said, is if we
0: truly beheld each other, we would fall down and worship each other. Everybody's shining like the sun, he said.
2: Yes, yeah. And and so so to go back when you asked about vulnerable, I, I wanted to mention that the word actually comes from the Latin vulnus, which means to carry a wound gracefully.
1: Uh, Mm Ah, oh, wow, I never knew that.
2: I don't hear that as stoically, that we all know physically that if you don't, that you have to, wounds have to get air, or they won't heal. And to carry a wound gracefully means just what we've been talking about, to be honest and vulnerable and real, and authentic because otherwise it won't heal
0: if it's hidden The, the grace and the light will not reach it yeah i think there's another piece maybe mark i wonder what your experience is of carrying a wound gracefully as a teacher i've always felt that i wanted to be my true self with my students but if it were around something about like my experience with clinical depression which has been a very important part of my life as you know a real school of the spirit for me since I survived it which is never guaranteed. Um, I I wanted to have that so fully integrated into my sense of self that my students wouldn't feel a need to take care of me or become afraid of me.
1: Yes. And,
0: and I think because there are ways of sharing one's wounds that just sort of suck up all the oxygen yeah and make it hard for people to breathe and and become fearful of of who you are and what you're up to and are we going to have to do psychological spiritual CPR on this guy and you know if you're a teacher and you're trying to hold a safe space for students that doesn't that doesn't work and so I think carrying a wound gracefully also embraces that meaning of integrating it into yourself so deeply that you're, you're simply not embarrassed by it. You're not ashamed of it. Yes, I am all of the above. I am my pluses and I am my minuses. I am my successes and I am my pitfalls. I am my weaknesses as, and, my, and my strengths. And what you see is what you get. And I have no problem With that, so you shouldn't either, you
2: know. Yeah, uh, beautifully said. I agree completely. I agree completely. And when we, somehow when we, um, knowingly or unknowingly, when we don't find the strength in what we know, we're, we're somehow sucking off of the others around us inadvertently. Mm-hmm. To fix yeah. this, do this, make me feel better, make it and and you know, and we and we know that I mean if you fall down, I can help you up. And if I need water, you can bring me water, but but anything else, internally, in the experience of being a spirit and a body in time on earth, all we can do is keep each other company. Mm-hmm. That yeah. and that's really right, that's really what compassion um really comes from and i i really believe that um that there's a strength to our kindness and vulnerability that when we can be strong and present and real um, it dilutes the sting of the world mm-hmm.
1: and i and we've been talking about doing that as authors and songwriters and poets but i think that generalizes completely to just being in the world I, I don't think it's you know we we express some of these ideas in an art form but but i think what you're talking about the the choice to carry our wounds gracefully that word gracefully it's a beautiful word you know that we we carry it in such a way that like parker was saying it's, We're not ashamed of it. Um, But we don't need someone to take care of us with it. You know, take all the oxygen out of the room uh, with it. But that is so intricately part of who we are and part of how we understand the world, how we have empathy and and greater compassion. Yeah. You know, I have greater compassion because uh, of every dark place I've had to walk, you know. Um, and, And I think that you know, like I said, it, it can transfer to an art form, but our lives as an art form, you know, our interactions as an art form, our our daily work as an, you know, whatever our vocation is, as an art form, an expression of um, the empathy and compassion and and how to be good company with one another uh, on this journey. So, I you know, I just, I really, I really appreciate it. I have a question here. This might be. Sure. Uh, um, the, the you know the the name of our podcast is the growing edge, and we've done a lot of conversation about growing edges and different kinds of growing edges, whether they're personal or uh, professional, whether they're political. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that we're growing, and and usually we're growing on a lot of different levels all the time. But you know, for Mark Nepo, you know what what would you call a growing edge for you right now.
2: Well, I think a growing edge for me—it it, it, this will be like a constellation answer to <laughs> speak to, not an answer. Um, I think you know we start with what we've been talking about. That I don't—we're never done with being who we are everywhere, and mm-hmm. so it's continually for me to what does that mean today and and in our in our where we are in our society. Um, you know, being a third generation, you know, of Jewish descent uh, from, you know, grandparents' generation, having some people die in the Holocaust. So waking up here where there were, you know, Nazis walking the streets of America, my growing edges every day I feel the need to say, what does it mean to be more visible? I need to stay visible because so much, you know, it's a paradox about the Jewish Tradition, and, and one of them is that, uh, you know, there's so much about the Jewish character that is stand strong, be visible. And yet in the Holocaust, you know, so many people were invisible and silent. Not that being visible would have saved them, but there's this tension that I feel in a way like not only to my life, but to my ancestors, I have a, Commitment. Every day, I have to say, and and in my teaching circles, Parker, like you were just raising, what does it mean to stay visible today? What does it mean to do that? And and then you know, there's there's how. And um, so I think some of the things that that I I try, uh, you know, I believe in a practice of return. That is, I don't believe in a permanent state of enlightenment. I mean, maybe the Dalai Lama is permanently enlightened, but that's not in mean, my experience on earth. You know, I'm clear and then I'm confused and, you know, I fall down and then I get up and I'm, you know, I'll be very clear with you. I'll get off the phone. I'll trip taking the garbage out and I'll forget half of what we talked about and have to learn it all over again, which is beautiful in itself. So in my growing edge is always, what do I do to return to being, completely authentic and so you know every day like i have three things really specific things i start every day with right now well i'll say four the three that are like like ritual for me is first thing i'm a morning person and my wife susan's a night person so i'm up first so first thing i do is i open i consciously open the blinds and let in light First thing I do in the day is let in light. Second thing I do is take care of our dog, Zuzu, who's right here uh, as we're talking. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm taking care of something living, you know. And the third thing I do is I make coffee for Susan. I do something for someone I love. So And I just don't do those out of, like, imprinting my own humanity because when I let light in, When I care for something living, when I do something for someone I love, that cleans my eyes, my ears, and my heart, and now I see, hear, and feel differently, and therefore I take in a different world, I participate in a different world, and I make different decisions. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And so the the fourth thing I do, which is just a function of my being a long-term cancer survivor, you know, I... I'm a big list maker. I make lists of what the whole day, what I'm, you know, aspiring to do for the day, hope to, need to. And then I stop and I write the list out. And then I say, if this is the last day on earth, what really goes on the list? And (laughs) and then I cross out nine tenths of it and then put on something else on it that wasn't even on there. But I go through, you know, but I go through because... Going back to our dolphin and whales, I live in the world, so I will make the list. But I breathe in the deep, and so then I'll scratch off what's on the list.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a, for me, a powerful answer to to Carrie's question about the growing edge, and it's it it's an answer that. Um, doesn't surprise me because I know you well but it relates so directly to this world full of knives that we live in Um, and it relates very directly to the fact that so many people in our world have been rendered invisible Uh, it's not that they are hiding out or want to be invisible they've been rendered invisible by the powers that be by all the isms that we know about and the whole notion of becoming visible in our world has been co-opted by people who simply know how to put on circuses and and command the media's attention often in the most odious and obnoxious and and i think you know fundamentally immoral even evil ways using that power to render other people invisible quite consciously for political or cultural purposes so you know I love your response to the to the growing edge question as we start each day those simple things we can do to remind ourselves I'm me I'm here there are things I care about there's light I want to take in there are things that I, that I think I need to do that really aren't all that important no. <laughs> given, the, given the possibility that, you know, I won't be here tomorrow. Um, and then and then I think as a next step, how do we carry that into the world in a way that's encouraging to the people who've been rendered invisible and, and in some way or another, say to the, the circus masters, we we're ignoring you. It, it's, it, we, it's ugly. We do, we don't need. We don't want to look at that. You, you know, go away. Do it on your own time. You know, go to your room. Is what I really want to say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and don't come out time until you out. can be a decent human being. You know, that's yeah. what I really want to say. So I think for all of us, and I suspect you agree, Mark, there's this kind of mission question. Your work does this for so many, many people. It encourages them to show up. And um, one of the things that Carrie has heard me say way too often, on this, even on this program, which is sadly rapidly coming to an end here, uh, not me, the program, <laughs> 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 is that at age 80, I can't imagine a sadder way to die than with the realization that i never really showed up in the world as my true self with my gifts offering whatever gifts i had to those needs that were within my reach Um, whether i was successful at changing anything significant or not the point is to show up and to die with a sense that i spent 80 plus years on the face of this earth never really appearing as, to use religious language about it, as as the gift God created me to be, or, mm, or yeah. as, as the unique individual nature created me to be, that's, I can imagine more painful ways to die, but I can't imagine a sadder way to die.
1: Mm. Mm. Well, and one of the things that, kind of circling back to something you said earlier, Mark, that we have that opportunity at every moment that, you know, we show up, we are true self. It gets hard, we fall down, we stumble, we forget, we remember again, we find that sense of wholeness, we show up again, that, it, you know, I think it's, you know, uh, it was very hopeful the way you described it, that at any moment, we have that choice and that ability to show up again, to show up again as our whole and true self um and and i think that's something really also I've, I've always found powerful about your work is you know it's it's all completely possible it's oh. not something out there it's not tomorrow it's not when i get enlightened enough <laughs> it's like no we're always on this continual journey and um and it can happen right now right today mm-hmm. you know in this conversation um, well and
2: I, and I think I think you know thank you and I, I I really think like today um the largest closeted population are the closet authentics
1: <laughs> mm, interesting
2: you know Kierkegaard said we're all spies for God and what I take I mean I didn't talk to him but what I take it to mean is <laughs> that uh yeah you know we hide our true selves we we, we you know we, we don't we're, we're not gonna, you know, we'll have this conversation, but we'll meet in Starbucks and and go. Oh no, I, I, I I'm not into all that, you know, and and so I think that's part of being visible and 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 living that life that you were talking about, Parker and and Carrie about having that, <clears throat> because when we can be that real in any moment, it all becomes possible. And and I, I just have one little like one stanza poem I'll recite for you that that speaks to what we're talking about of mine. It, oh, it's, um, those, the mystery is that whoever shows up when we dare to give has exactly what we need hidden in their trouble. Mm. Mm.
0: Uh, mm.
1: Beautiful. Oh, Beautiful. Thank you. What a wonderful way. To, uh, to start to wrap up our, our podcast today. Thank you so much. I just have to tell you, I'm so inspired and I'm going to go and take notes <laughs> oh. <laughs> about the list and about all these things we've talked about. But uh, thank you so much and I, I do want to encourage uh, all of our listeners to, um, to check out your, your newest book uh, and the one that will be coming out soon, Drinking from the River of Light. A life of expression. Uh, I just basically anything you ever like have put out there into the world. <laughs> Thank lane, you. They yeah. should go see. You know, go pick up. You know, I, that's just yeah. basically what I'm hoping yeah. at this point and encouraging.
0: Well, I've, often on this podcast, I I just say what she said uh, because <laughs> <laughs> I, I Carrie so often speaks my mind, speaks my heart. I just want to thank you, Mark, uh, for our longtime friendship and for agreeing to do this hour in the middle of your very busy schedule. And listen, on that Kierkegaard, uh, Kierkegaard quote, I went to grade school with him, so I can verify <laughs> <laughs> I can totally verify that. I, I remember fifth grade math. He's, he just said that. And, and, and the teacher said, that has nothing to do with our subject. So, so you get an F for today. But, you know, he he moved on and did fairly well in life. So I also want to just quickly give you a chance to to say a little bit about the fact that, as I understand it, you are going to be, in 2020, leading three um, ongoing, oh, yes they- three oh, ongoing yes, yes, yes. experiential events. And I want to mention that at MarkNepo, N-E-P-O, MarkNepo.com, people can learn more detail and, in fact, I think sign up for these. But you want to say just a quick word about that yeah, new outreach th- of thank yours? thank you. So, you know, I'm offering, and I have been here, but you know, next year I'll be offering
2: three spiritual journeys for a small group of people, no more than 30. And one will be a year long, that is where the same group will come together for four weekends over a year. And the second version is a deep dive, which would be just a six-day intensive journey with just a small group. The third one is kind of an introduction or a threshold journey, which you, uh, which will be a, a full full long weekend. And And all of them are basically, you know, there are different ways into everything we're talking about is how can we uh keep each other company and taking notes on what it is to be here and to support each other
0: in discovering our own wisdom and our own gifts mm-hmm. they sound just wonderful and again at marknepo.com, folks can learn about that and uh, they can see a video of you talking about them, and I believe they can sign up or register, yep. register for those events get in touch with you if they have any questions. Thank you so much, Mark. just been a joy to be with you, and uh, hoping we can have you back um, before too very long. Well, a joy to be with you both. Thank you so much, really. Take good care. To the Growing Edge with Carrie Newcomer and Parker Palmer.
1: Thank you for joining us today, and I hope you'll check out our next episode.
0: And don't forget to visit our website, NewcomerPalmer.com. That's NewcomerPalmer.com, so you can join in the conversation too.
1: And now we have a favor to ask. If you like today's show, rate us and leave a review on iTunes. It's the best way to help us reach new audiences and bring more voices into this conversation.
0: All the music you heard on today's show was written by our own Carrie Newcomer. And much gratitude to Gary Walters for performing the song, The Clean Edge of Change.
1: And deep and wild appreciation to Allison Quantz for creative envisioning, direction, production, and she is so fine and so true.